What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome in. We're here. It's Thursday. Wait, and Kata Connor O'Neill. We're back. We had a Tuesday night game this week, which, you know, I'm not to brag, but I, I kind of said that Ottawa was going to cover this one. Guess what? They did, but we will get there. Wade, you're at the game. Beautiful night to be there. It was. Uh, got a little chilly towards the end of the night. We're uh, creeping much further into fall weather, uh, but it was beautiful to have football any night of the week. As our listeners know, uh, compared to not having any at all in the country, I will definitely be taking Tuesday night action. But before we get into our episode, we just want to remind you guys that Sawdust City Brewing Company offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This September, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code, UCFL, during checkout to receive free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only, must be of legal drinking age. And are you geared up for game day? Head over to fox40shop.com for Fox 40 gear, whistles, coaching boards, and more. While you're there, use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that is fox40shop.com for gear, whistles, and coaching boards, helping you get back into the game. And let's get into this Tuesday game because Ottawa, again, gets the better of the Edmonton Elk. Yeah, and this one was at the hands of Caleb Evans, the rookie quarterback, making his first CFL start. Uh, before we get into it, I'm going to proclaim the rule of three. I said this to Connor like 10 seconds into the game. I saw him make one pass. I'm like, got rule of three, calling it right now. Um, so we have to pause on our hype of Caleb Evans a little bit because the rule of three, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with my rule of three, fresh time as a starter, you need three games before a professional defensive coordinator, CFL or NFL, can start getting a full game plan on you. So until then, you've kind of got the world upon your hands. You can do a lot. And last night, the Red Blacks did just that because the Elks didn't know what they were getting. Um, coupled with some Devontae Dedman major return yardage uh, and a whole lot of turnovers in prime opportunities, the Red Blacks looked nice for breaking their 11-game home losing streak. All right, let's pump the brakes, though. They look nice against the Elks, who also look like they're in shambles right now. But, yeah, no, I mean, like, Caleb Evans, for, what again, what they asked him to do, they only asked him to put the ball in the air 22 times, but he hit 15 of his passes through three touchdowns. I mean, for, for what Ottawa was asking him to do, much like we saw and said with Cornelius and Watford, he pretty much executed to near perfection, given the situation that he was in, given the circumstances that he was in thrust into the starting role they don't know who the quarterback's going to be so obviously now it's Caleb Evans and he played well he played well and I think we're gonna have to walk back we walked back our comments about Guelph earlier this week I think we're gonna have to do it again here about Devonta Dedman because we said that we don't know if Ottawa can keep relying on Devonta Dedman to return to return the ball for a touchdown dude goes Every out and game, does it again yeah, no no <laughs> does it Listen, again. so I'm sitting there at the game and uh, the first time he touches the ball, it just takes off, like opening kick return, takes off for like 40 yards. I'm like, this is great. Like I, I said in that episode on Tuesday morning, like, oh, he can't return a touchdown every game. And here he goes. He almost houses one the first play of the game. 
Sure enough, we come out of the second half. Edmonton goes two and out. They punt, and 73 yards later, I'm eating my words because there is Devontae Dedman strolling into the end zone. Uh, like, I'm still going to say <laughs> you can't rely on him to score a kick or punt return touchdown every game, but two in a row is not a bad place to be. Is he a weekly fantasy pickup now? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Why are you kicking to him, though? Like, they finally started to. Kickoffs in the second half, they would kick it away from him. He only ended up having three returns uh, at kickoff. But, like, he averaged, like, 30 yards of return on punts. Man. Like, he flips the field. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, that's why Caleb Evans' yardage was so low. I mean, first play of the game for Edmonton, Ellingson fumbles, short field. Then you have Deadman returns on your first drive for the kickoff, puts you at like midfield. Like you're starting in such plus, like I think they only started deep in their own end two times, maybe three. I want to say two times uh, all game long. Like they were, they were always in plus field position to start. And when you have a rookie quarterback and you have an early lead and you're never really starting backed up, like Paul Apley's just open the floodgates, let it go because you can just relax. You can kind of ease off. And it almost came to bite them because Edmonton did start to make a push. But uh, good, solid win by the Ottawa Red Blacks. Second time this season. Second time this season they hand the Edmonton Elks a loss. Jamie Elizondo hoping to go back to the city that he once called home and get a win. They don't do it. They don't do it. I'm scared for Edmonton right now, man. Like, how how do you have this collection of talent on paper? I mean, obviously Trevor Harris didn't play, uh, didn't play on Tuesday night. But like, coming into this season, looking at the roster that they put together, like, how how do you have the guys that you have in this locker room, and your team is this discombobulated, this disoriented, like? Obviously, execution of the game plan and execution practice is completely different than having a roster look good on paper. But seriously, like Greg Ellingson, Darrell Walker, Mike Jones now looks good, Shy Ross, Trevor Harris, Aaron Grimes, Rose, Mincy, Boateng, Betts. Like, dude, this team should not be this bad. Slow starts are killing them. I mean, Taylor Cornelius played great again, I thought. I mean, they started off very slowly first first play was a fumble not his fault all of a sudden they're down 14 nothing and it's like okay try and bail water bail us out like he played well i mean he he short hopped a throw uh later in the game going to the left to the north side of the stands but uh i thought he was great moves around the pocket well he got sacked by his own center at one point like he's just like He's fighting for his own life and he's trying to bail out 14 point leads uh, that there's spot in other teams. And it's tough to play in your second CFL start and both your games so far, you've been behind early and trying to push back. Yeah, man, I, I just, I don't understand it. We'll move off of this one though, but I'll end it with this. Shy Ross, two touchdowns, big game for that guy. He looked great. Good to see the Canadians getting in the mix and contributing big time. So we will move away from that Ottawa Edmonton game because there is still more football to be played this week. U sports top 10 came down and uh, I don't know. Do we agree with it this time? I think, I think I do no. agree with this one a little bit more than I, I think I agree with it a little bit more than last week. Yes. Because Calgary is back at the top where they should be. Um, Let's let's run it back first, and then we'll then we'll him and okay, haul okay. over it. Going ten to one, McMaster, Sask, 
Queens making their debut. Concordia, Laval, Guelph, Waterloo, Western, Montreal, Calgary. So Montreal coming in at two is where, where I have my first issue. That's yep. my first issue right off the hop. Like Montreal so far this year hasn't proved anything to me. Obviously, I still think Montreal is a good football team. And, you know, looking ahead, I still can't see them winning the Quebec conference, but this is not the Mark Antoine de Montreal caravan. This is not the Danny Mastrocha Montreal caravan this year. Like, uh, I mean, I know that they just put up a big win over McGill, but let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's McGill. Um, yeah. So Montreal, Montreal at two is kind of the first one that I take issue with a little bit. And by no means do I, do I think Montreal shouldn't be on this list, but uh, I don't think they should be at two. And I, I think Sask is egregiously low as well. And uh, when we look at this list, a lot of people have issues with the three, four, five. That is the OUA block in this. Um, first of all, McMaster at number ten. There's there's other teams in the in the country right now. Like Alberta had a dominant win. Uh, I know it was against UBC, but at least they're one and zero. The AUS is playing football right now. The AUS, yeah. Can we get an East Coast representative? I mean. X has looked good. X has looked good. Um, but let's talk about that block. Because obviously Guelph toppled Western last week. Waterloo undefeated with a top 10 win over Laurier under their belt. And Western's still above both of them in the rankings. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is just like, um, I don't know, people probably looking at it and being like, okay, it's it's one one loss to it's one loss for Western. We're not going to get too fired up over it. Uh, Greg Marshall is going to do what Greg Marshall does and turn this team around and get them back on track. Like I still think Western's going to be a one loss team this year. I think that's kind of a one-off, but I mean, again, is this like, like we were saying with Montreal, is this the same Western team that we saw in 2019? I don't know. I, I don't so. think so. Do you? I, I do. I do. I think they have the right pieces on defense. Uh, I think they're just getting assimilated to a new quarterback, right? Like, they don't have the luxury of Waterloo and of Queens and Toronto uh, of having their quarterback that started for them in 2019, be that guy again this year. Um, obviously Calgary JJ was able to play in spurts when Sonagra was down, but they knew what they were getting with JJ. Um, well, and JJ knew that offense and was really yeah. comfortable running that offense as well. So it looked like a seamless transition, but to me, like I'm with you on the Western thing, like, these are power rankings. They're not outright standings changes. And as of right now, you can't really rely on records. Like should Concordia be up there a bit higher because of where the record is? Yeah. But Laval and Montreal have looked like the better teams in that conference, like not by much, but like, I wouldn't say number two to number <laughs> uh, six margin, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I'm happy to see Concordia crack the list again, I but I, I'm not willing to put them ahead of Montreal and Laval. No, not yet. And, and with the, for the sake of the OUA argument, like Queens is two and zero. like, should they not be higher than Western? No, because Western has played the defending Yates cup champions and Guelph who. Like, Looks like it's going to be a pretty darn good team this year. Yeah, and they lost close to Guelph. They lost by two points. It's not like they got steamrolled like McMaster did against them the week prior. So I'm I'm fine with Western staying there. Uh, Waterloo, you said you might want to see them four or higher. Uh, they I, I want to see what Waterloo looks like 
against Western before I, I guess I definitively say that, but before yeah, no, I mean, the champs, I, I, I think, I, I guess I don't really want to walk myself back, but I'll do it again a little bit. I think that Waterloo is capable of, of beating Western this year. I do think Waterloo is the most complete team in the OUA right now, but is that going to translate to a win? I don't know. And we'll see them in another top 10 matchup this week against McMaster. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad Queens is on there. You called that. You did say they should get their shot in the top 10. They did it. Um, now they go to Toronto and have a great chance to lose their top 10 spot. <laughs> it's going to be a fun matchup because people don't realize how good Toronto looked in week one. Yeah, it was a sloppy 11 to 10 win, but man, Toronto I, looked like they're going to ball. I trust them coming out of a bye week this week. We're going to get into this in a bit, so I'm not going to spoil too much, but I've got some thoughts on this Toronto game against uh, Queens coming up. Okay, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear it. Um, anybody else you want to talk about before we move off the top 10? Like, do we want to show Sask love? Because I don't think Sask is the ninth best team in the nation. I think Sask is probably up around the third or fourth best team in the nation. Sask is a victim of a late starting season and opening against the Calgary Dinos. But they didn't even lose that badly to Calgary. Like we said on Tuesday, I mean, when you're playing without Josh Haggerty, when you're playing without Nelson Lacombo, yeah, that, it's going to be very damn hard to cover the Philpots. It just uh, is. Yeah, I, they still deserve a top 10 spot. Um, but obviously, you can't put them ahead of Queens. You can't put ahead of them ahead of teams that actually have wins on their schedules. Um, so it's just tough, right? Like, Sask will rebound. Sask will 110% rebound. They've got a... I mean, end of the year, I would not be surprised to see Saskatchewan in the kind of three to four range. They'll probably three, be a four, top team. Yeah. But they play UBC this weekend, who just got pummeled by U of A. So... A chance uh, for them to bounce back. Adam Mackert will be running very angry check out angry runs next week there may be a u sports segment in there based off of adam macker going a wall man he gave he gave ksb the angry run I know. shout out to ksb <laughs> hopefully but, uh, we see one from adam macker that'd be great but no the uh the oua slate is what most people have their eyes on this week uh there are some games out in Can West and the other conferences, Calgary, Regina, Sherbrooke, Montreal, Bishops X, Laval, McGill, Acadia, St. Mary's, Sask, UBC, like we just mentioned, and the U of A Golden Bears against the Manitoba Bisons. But the big one, Connor, it's time. You're wearing a black sweater today. I'm surprised that color has hit your wardrobe on such a week like this. Man, it's terrible. Most of my hoodies are black. Even all my U Ottawa hoodies are black, but I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, I should be wearing garnet. I know. I, I feel terrible right now. Um, I, I should, yeah, I should have stripped all black and white from my wardrobe this week. I really should have. And red. Well, certain shades of red. Uh, it's all got to go. It's all got to go this week. Garnet's a shade of red. <laughs> Eh. Uh, oh well eh. we'll just stick with silver <laughs> but not getting no, into mixing the colors up here it is panda week connor we're gonna put you on the spot today and give a breakdown of this and a pick but what do you walk us through your pick and what do you really expect to happen for the 
GGs and Ravens this week? Yeah, uh, this is going to be always, I, I mean, I was going to say this is going to be a fun match. Like that's a, just a dumb thing to say because it's always fun. It's going to be incredibly intense. These teams hate each other. The players hate each other. Uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher for Carlton this week. I don't know if you, maybe you want to break this one, but um, yeah, so difficult Tan, news. We mentioned that Tanner Young sustained an injury against York. Uh, going to announce now Tanner Young broke his ankle. Uh, against the York Lions, so he will be out for the Panda game and for the foreseeable future for the Carlton Ravens. Uh, obviously, Tanner was leading the OUA in passing yards through two weeks. Uh, it's tough. I mean, fifth-year guy. Um, he went into surgery yesterday uh, to get some screws put into his ankle, um, but yeah, it's gutting for them to to see him go down. He was having a great year, and with him at the helm, they were looking to be the class of the East Division. Yeah, it was it was looking like them, Queens, Toronto. I mean, yeah, certainly. Um, my heart breaks for Tan. Like, I, I just feel so bad for him. Obviously, you know, you, everybody listening knows that we're we're pretty close with him. We grew up with him, so um, our hearts are absolutely broken for Tanner. And, and you heard me talking to Marsh about this on the OUA show on Sunday, before we knew this news definitively, like I was saying that I was willing to say, you know, Trey Ford, yeah, Trey Ford's the best athlete in the OUA. Trey Ford is the best all around athlete in the OUA, but Tanner DeYoung is the best pure thrower of the football in the OUA. So I'm absolutely heartbroken to see him have to miss this game in this situation in his final year. Uh, I, I can absolutely sympathize with the ankle injury as well. So, I don't know if Tan or, or whoever listens, but, uh, you know, if you need some some recovery tips, I got you on that. When the, when the time rolls around, I'll get you on those Romanian deadlifts and single leg squats and all that fun stuff, man. So, uh, yeah, we, we wish Tan the best and, and hoping for a speedy recovery, just a horrible way to end it. But talking about the Panda here, it will be tough for Carlton to play this game without their starting quarterback, without really kind of that, that focal point, that driving force of their offense. Now, there is still a heck of a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball for Carlton. So whoever may step in and fill that quarterback role is going to, you know, just rely on Glod Malale because, because they are going to be okay throwing the ball should they need to. And it looks like it will be Tristan Lefebvre, uh the first year from Moncton. So uh, Moncton. That's going to be a tough situation for this kid. Small town kid coming from, you know, Moncton has not experienced anything like the Panda game yet. Hey, I mean, don't worry about hey. it. East Coast connection with Glode Malali will break the hearts of you and your Ottawa GGs fans. Well, I think any quarterback should develop a connection with Glode Malali. Like, that's just good common sense. Have you seen this guy play football? Like, not even for yes, Carlton. Yes. Have you seen his AUS tape? My goodness. But it's, uh, it's going to be a tough situation for that young quarterback coming into because – you know, I, coaches like to tell you it's it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a game. It's the Panda game is not just a game. That is a whole different environment. That is something that you that is close to that is as close to professional football as as you can probably get while still being, you know, an amateur, quote unquote, amateur athlete. I mean, it'll be a little bit different this year, but it'll still be packed. You're still going to be playing in the packed TD place. There's going to be a little bit of a, a crowd restriction, but it's going to be loud. It's going to be hostile. It's going to be overwhelming at times probably so i i mean those on the carlton team that have been in the game played the game 
are going to have to control that locker room and kind of keep the the nerves down for this young Carlton team and, and the same side of the ball for the Gigi's because they're a young squad too this year. I mean, obviously Ben Miracle has played in that game, so he's going to be able to settle his team down, but a lot of young guys on this Ottawa Gigi's team as well. So I'm very excited for this game. Um, there's opportunity on either side of the ball here. I mean, Carlton, if Tan was playing, I would say probably edge Carlton. Now I would say it's a pick them if we want to, we want to throw some gambling lines down. Maybe it's like a one point spread in either direction, but um, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. I think there's opportunities here. Ottawa still obviously looking for their first win. Um, it'd be a hell of a way to, to kind of get that first win in the Panda here. So um I'm very excited for this game. I'm trying to dance around making a pick as much as I can. I won't ask you for a score. Just obviously GG's win. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't not say that. I feel like I'll get crucified if I say, yeah, yeah, Carlton's going to win. No, obviously I can't say that. Yeah, go GG's. All right, let's move on to other games in the OUA. Waterloo at McMaster, top 10 matchup. Second one in a row for the Warriors. McMaster off a bye after their bitter loss to the Western Mustangs. Yeah, and we are just going to kind of rifle through these ones a little bit quicker because obviously you do get the full OUA preview that drops with us. So look out for that on social media. But in this one, very excited to see how good Waterloo really might be or kind of what type of McMaster team we're going to get. Um, at this point, we know kind of the play style of Waterloo. So I'm excited to see how a very good 2019 Marauders defense that didn't lose a whole lot of talent is going to kind of be able to come in and defend this dynamic Waterloo uh, offensive attack. So we'll see how Potasic and his defense handle that. But I'm, I think outside of the Panda game, this might be the one that I'm most excited for. And when we look at McMaster coming off the bye, bit of a war path, a little bit of a sting after losing to Western and sitting on it for a week. I feel like there has to be. There has Home to be. Especially. Too. You were the defending Yates Cup champions and you got embarrassed in the first game of the season. I feel like there has and, to be a little bit of a sting. And let's let's try to see them establish and maintain the run game. They got behind early against Western, but Waterloo has really just jumped on teams and kind of made teams throw the ball to get back in at them. Let's see a team try and push the rock and really grind out the clock on it. Because let's face it, the best way to beat Trey Ford is to keep him off the field. No, absolutely. As long as Trey Ford is on the sideline, he cannot do damage. McMaster, Mind you, he has a twin brother who can do damage on the defensive end. So and he just did be do careful. Last week. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Next no. game, though, Laurier at Western. Uh, I feel bad for Laurier this one, for this one. Uh, Western off a loss is never a fun team to play. Yeah. I mean, Michael Falls, friend of the show, great coach. This is going to be a tough one for his Laurier Golden Hawks this week. Western coming off a loss that they probably didn't expect. Uh, it's not going to be a fun week of practice for those Western Mustangs. Greg Marshall is going to be getting his guys extra right, extra attention to detail. I'm sure they're going to be in the film room this week a little bit longer than they, you know, might have wanted to be. But yeah, I, I'm. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game for the Laurier Golden Hawks. Carousello's shoulder is still up in the air as well, so. Um, yeah, 
I don't know what else to say other than that I feel really bad for Laurier this week. Laurier, Laurier does have a chance, though. They got an athletic defensive front. It can match up well against the tough run game. But uh, obviously, like we've said, you never want to run into Western after a loss. Next game, though, could be a trap game. Guelph coming off their big win. All the hype, all the momentum rolling in the favor of the Griffins. They go on the road to the Windsor Lancers. Is it a trap game off the bye for Windsor? Or do you think Guelph just keeps rolling? Um, I, That's actually a good question. I, I'm interested to see, like, because Guelph's a young team, uh, offensively at least anyways. Like, is this a one-off? Is this kind of just a, a spur-of-the-moment night game at home, first game since 2019 win-type situation for, for Guelph? Or are they this legit? Like, I, I think they are based on what I saw. Like their back end looks incredibly fast. Their DBs and linebackers look very good. Their front got, you know, some great pressure. They really shut down what looked like it was poised to be one of the best run offenses in the OEA, at least. Um, even on, on the offensive side of the ball, like I know Sean Law, new quarterback, but he looked very serviceable. Uh, he's huge too. I don't know if you noticed that on tape, the dude is massive and uh, you know, Keandre Smith all over the field. So, I think Guelph just needs in this one, like they can't get caught up in the fact that, oh, they're playing Windsor, who is, you know, historically not been a great team in the OUA, um, or at least not been, uh, you know, been able to pull out these wins against kind of tougher opponents. So I think, I think Guelph needs to realize that this year in the OUA at any given moment, any team can be anybody really, because uh, it is a weird year. They're coming off a weird year. So I think, I think Guelph just needs to not look, past Windsor if you know what I mean uh Guelph's quarterback looks seven feet tall just to make a quick run back to that comment he looked like it he looked like the green giant just stand there there tossing bombs <sighs> I don't know he looked huge he looked like he can move to cannon arm so uh they certainly have found their guy to move on from the Olanders with which was a big question of mine so um final game of the slate my alma mater this time Going against Queens, sellout crowd at Varsity for the second straight week. This one's going to be a good match, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is, uh, you know, of these, oh, they're all West and one East. Well, whatever. I think, uh, you know, outside of the Panda game, obviously, and outside of Waterloo McMasters, this is one of the best games of the weekend in, in U Sports, really. Queens, we get to see take on what looks like it's going to be a very exciting Toronto Varsity Blues team this year. Uh, Queens right now runs the East. Toronto looking to come in and say not so fast. How do you think, because this is your alma mater, so like you spend the time on this one. How, how do you think this is going to break down? How does Toronto approach this Queens team with, with the aggressive defensive front and then the ability to do kind of whatever they want on offense? They have to sell out to stop the run. First and foremost, you've seen Keanu Queens. Sheed Tucker. Yeah, no, seriously. You've seen Queens in two games now, both games. Game plan starts and ends with Rashid Tucker. If he gets rolling and that offensive line gets pushing, all of a sudden they're play action. They're able to move Keenan around more freely. It, it just starts to let their offense open up. And when you key in, you need to have someone on the back end covering off those deep bombs because Richard Burton has found the end zone twice in two weeks um to me it's it's sellout get to Rashid Tucker get to him early slant crash slice blitz do anything you can to sort of throw off this Queens run game uh and then 
on the other side of the ball, do what you do. Don't try and change your identity. Let Clay go. Let him run. Let him work this offense and open it up. Let Lovegrove and Corby and Diodotti and Mike Lehman, all those guys, let them go and make plays for you because that is the strength of your offense. Yeah, I mean, we all know it's coming, but try to stop it, I guess, is is what you say out the gate if you're the Varsity Blues. I mean, yeah, you know we're going to throw the ball, so prove to us that you can stop it until otherwise proven we are going to do exactly that. I'm excited for this one, man. I, I really am. There's a little – there's there's a couple of losses on the back end for Queens, but I, uh, I I think the pieces are still in play. I mean, Thompson McCallum back there with the loss of Zach Healy and Nolan Bedard is still roaming around back there as well, so – uh, it's going to be a fun game, but that closes out the slate of OUA games for the weekend. Again, to run it back, obviously, you have the Panda game with Ottawa and Carleton. Then you get Waterloo at Mac, Laurier at Western, Guelph at Windsor, Queens at Toronto. So a big day in the OUA, but there is still CFL football to be played this week, which means we're going to go shopping at Valley Village. But before we do that, let's try to win a little bit of money with myself because i right now am two and two well here we go winnipeg bc winnipeg three and a half cutter we're jumping right in where are you going winnipeg cover winnipeg cover i got burned by bc against saskatchewan last I week told and you. it looked like i wasn't going to it looked like i wasn't going to I uh, but i did winnipeg i don't know man like do we keep riding this wave of winnipeg is yes. the best team in football until they tell us that they're not because yes who is stopping winnipeg in the west right now nobody absolutely nobody i, I don't see anybody i really don't I, I mean i think bc can come in and play this game competitively they will, they will be, it'll be a tight game I, I like the three and a half point line all of our games this week are close um obviously except for the tuesday game but uh winnipeg bc like this will be this should be an aerial showcase. Yeah, it should be. It should be. But then again, like you get Zach Caleros who on this season, I mean, obviously we all know what Zach Caleros can do with the football on his hand, but on this season with Winnipeg this year, they've been kind of like, I don't want to say conservative. Like I think conservative is a, a little bit too big of a word for, for what they've been doing with them, but they've dialed them back. I guess you can say in the passing attack a little bit, which you can do when you run the ball, like Winnipeg does. And, you know, but he still throws for 250 yards and he's only throwing, what, 25 times a game? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have Mike Riley on the other sideline who, you know, any given day can put 310 yards in the air. Yeah, it's it's surreal to see these two sling the rock. But uh, next game, Hamilton, Montreal, Hamilton's minus two and a half. I don't really know what I want to do with this one. Cause I don't think I trust either team. I like, I really, I don't like, yes, Hamilton keeps proving me wrong, but I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. Hamilton's D is good. They play fast. They play aggressive and they've looked very good. Simone Lawrence and company, uh, you know, looks like they're all finally on the same page, but can you keep relying on your defense? If you're the Hamilton tiger cats to score you points and give you these wins, like, I don't know if they can do this for what is going to feel like the 10th straight week in a row that they've scored some sort of special teams or defensive touchdown. I don't know if you can keep doing that. If you're Hamilton, I, I said it last week and they wouldn't prove me wrong. And you know, they blew my bet, but whatever won't go there. Not salty. Thank you very much. Roll. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm going to take Montreal to cover in this one though. Um, I don't understand how Hamilton keeps winning. Somehow they just 
keep on doing it right now, but like, I don't know. They're, they're running into a Montreal team here that can put a hell of a lot of points on the board. And can you keep up with that if they start doing it, if you're Hamilton right now? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we just had this conversation about Devontae Dedman where we said he can't keep returning touchdowns. And, and then he went out and did it. Touchdowns. Yeah. So Hamilton scored going a to, defensive touchdown. Yeah, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to say that one. Uh, final game, Calgary, Sass. Sask is a minus three and a half after backdoor covering uh, the push against BC. Damn. Um, I know Calgary has Bo Levi Mitchell back. Um, obviously, significant boost to that offense. I still don't trust Calgary very much. And, you know, Saskatchewan looks like a damn good football team right now. So I am taking Saskatchewan to cover three and a half. They covered it late in the game and then some against a better team last week in the BC Lions. So I I don't know. It just, it only feels natural for me to take Saskatchewan to cover against Calgary, who I think is better than Edmonton, but that's about it in the West right now. All right, and two-player props. Brian Burnham over under four and a half receptions. I am saying over in this one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm saying over in this one. Winnipeg's a little bit susceptible to, you know, good wide receivers. They've shown that this year. Uh, they don't have the firmed-up back end that some of these other Western teams do. So with Michael Riley throwing the ball with that BC offense, I'm saying over for Brian Burnham on the four and a half. And... Vernon Adams, our lovely prop master, Vernon Adams, passing yards over under 265 and a half. I think he's just so exciting. So we like to use him every week. So it gives us a reason <laughs> to watch him. I mean, honestly, it's just selfish. It really is. Uh, I'm saying under this week, though, Hamilton's pass defense is crazy good. Uh, one of the best in the league. They have a heck of a secondary. So I'm saying under for VA and passing yards this week. All right, that closeout Connors covers. We will keep you up to date on how he does. We always hold him accountable. Uh, but it's time to go shopping, Connor. Yes. So load up the shopping cart. We're going. Keen Schaefer Baker right away. Just just throw them in your cart. Uh, you have th- to. 3,590. Uh, you know, slower week last week, but uh, still had five targets. I mean, they're going to keep using them. That's like... Shaq Evans still isn't back. I saw you starting to jog, but still quite a bit away from coming back from major injury. So KSB is going to still be heavily involved. Staying in the Saskatchewan game plan, William Powell. Yes, William Powell. I'm going with it because this man has gotten double-digit touches and carries in all but one game this season. And he's had a healthy yards per carry, uh, totaling four and a half, or 4.3 yards per catch so uh while the touchdowns do make or break a lot of his point totals uh he still had 42 yards last week against bc on 12 carries i am fine with that they should give him the rock quite a bit this week uh and then my final one we're going to the wide receivers yes that is jake winicky 8981 Yes, it is expensive for a value pick, but it's Jake Winicky. His price has been going up all season long. Uh, only been under 10 points once this year for fantasy. So go get Jake Winicky in your roster. Just select him. Worry about it later. 
And that concludes the weekly session where Wade absolutely loads up my fantasy team for me. Thank you, Wade. Um, I do have a question though. Like obviously the segment is value village and we're looking for deals, but if we were to walk into a nice shiny retail location where we have to pay full price for everything, are you comfortable enough paying that full price for lucky whitehead this week? At he's under 10, he's finally under 10, but he's at 9,800. I think he's 98.81. Are you finally comfortable saying, Fine, I will spend up, I've saved enough money up, I will spend up and buy myself that shiny new lucky whitehead? No, not at 10,000. <laughs> he's under, no, still no, <laughs> he's under by like 120. Still no, <laughs> you are I, getting I, a sort of a deal on him, you're getting 120 bucks off. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I still, I still, uh, I'd value guys like Jake Winicky over that. Really? Yeah. Like, listen to his last like three. I games, know, though. I know, I know. Eighty-two yards, one hundred and thirty-three yards, and a touchdown. One hundred and eleven yards. How many targets? How many targets? Because he doesn't get a lot of targets. That's the six thing. targets this, last week. I know six, we had this debate. That's an anomaly. <laughs> we had this conversation because the deep ball does not always hit. He went for he went for six targets in back-to-back weeks. I know. I I know. It, I know. And then but then the week before that when you look at it it's like three targets for 82, four targets for whatever like I don't know, he's averaging right around like five six targets a game this year though. Is that <laughs> enough that's not enough for you to spend $10,000 on the player? No, if I'm like six targets and a guaranteed touchdown. If I'm looking at $10,000 for fantasy value in CFL, like I'm looking at 10 10 targets. I want 10 to 15 targets. Like, I want you having volume in your game, not just like a splash play and then a whole bunch of, like, look, if they if they go with the Brian Burnham over that you've hit or you've picked, then I, I don't see him getting 15 targets. Whereas the other guys at the top of that list, like, you know they're getting the rock. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. But fine, 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 fine. Fine. I'm still probably going to pay that money because I'm a wild man and I've been riding the lucky whitehead wave all damn season. For me, it's the return yards. That's where kind of the, the value makes up for itself because um, he he does have that deadly ability to take one back. And I got a heck of a lot of points when he hosts that field goal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep spending up for my guy, lucky whitehead. Uh Playing no defense allows me to do so. I, I have been loving that strategy since I made the switch. So uh, I'm team no D and also team no kickers. Love that. I like kickers in fantasy. This is I like kickers. I'm not saying I don't like kickers. Money Lou is a great guy. I'm just saying I hate them in fantasy. Is it not the most gutting feeling in the you, world when you, you wake up not, and you check your you fantasy? You are not a specialist at heart. You are not a favorite. You don't favor specialists as much as you claim to if you're going to go on this rant about hating kickers in fantasy football. It's the worst feeling in the world. You wake up it the next morning and you're like, oh, I lost place. my point to a guy's kicker. No, Guess it's what? atrocious. What if that kicker was Justin Tucker hitting a 66-yard field goal? Really? That's what you want to bring up? Yes. That is what you want to bring up right now? I'm, I'm just going to end the Zoom. We're done. That's it. It's over. But that is the end of the episode. If you guys want to catch the OUA games that we talked about, Go to OUA TV, free sign up. You can catch any game live and on demand. If you're looking for stats, schedules, scores, and more, go to OUA.ca.
And this weekend, as you're watching football, do so with a cold beer in your hand, but not just any cold beer. Do so with a Sawdust City in your hand. Sawdust City Brewing Company offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This September, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code. Use CFL during checkout to receive free shipping on your first order over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age to get in on that offer. And are you geared up for the Panda game? Are you geared up for game day if you're not in the nation's capital? If not, head over to fox40shop.com for Fox 40 gear, whistles, and coaches boards. Use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your order. As always, for Connor and I, at CF Perspective, at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank, we will catch you guys later. Enjoy the rest of your week. If you haven't gone back to check out the episodes from Marsh, Cal Mello, DT, and us on Tuesday, make sure to go do so. I just want to sign off with a quick go GGs, and there's no such thing as conspiracies.